everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Thurston County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! All right, everyone. Thanks for everyone who's joining us tonight, and welcome everyone to another episode of Real Hawk Talk. We got me, Jeff Simmons, Brian Nemhauser's here, William Cornell's back after a couple week hiatus, and three of us are Evan couldn't make it tonight, Nathan couldn't make it tonight, and the three of us are back to break down what looks to be the home stretch of the season. Seattle. Last week, me and Brian, well, mostly Brian and Evan and Nathan, were debating that Jacksonville game and. The way that Brian projected the game was exactly the, how the first half went. It was should have been three all. It was a back and forth affair, pure defense. Jacksonville was crazy good on defense. They controlled the game really. And then the second half was just a total offensive explosion. There were weird plays. There were big plays. And then the end of the game, we'll probably get into that later. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It was a, a total disaster. It's a, a terrible way to end a pretty good football game, but. The second half just went completely different than I, I think even Evan or Nathan, who were like, let Russell Wilson go crazy, could, presumably could have thought. So I don't know how much time we want to spend tonight on breaking down that Jacksonville game or more of a big picture look with Seattle with three games to go. I think that's probably going to be our angle. But Brian, how surprised were you to see how that game ended up? Uh, I think the most surprising thing by far was the play of Blake Bortles. Um, yeah. I thought he played an excellent game. I don't think the Seahawks – I know people are frustrated and they think that they, they, you know, they played terribly against him. And, yes, the pass rush was terrible, which was also a surprise. But I think the, their offensive line played pretty well, so I give them some credit. I thought Blake Bortles made good throws in tough situations, um, tight spots. And I kept waiting for him to throw it to our team because that's what he's made to do, and, and he didn't do it. Um, so that was the biggest surprise. I think, uh, the other was, was that the Seahawks were able to mount a reasonable comeback at the end and have a chance to actually take the lead. They had no business taking the lead in that game. Um, and you know, they made, you know, they made some pretty uncharacteristic mistakes, um, uncharacteristic mistakes, Doug Baldwin, especially, um, not getting that first down. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was surprising in, in kind of how it played out in that way. Um, in all, like, gosh, I spent a bunch of time debating with Nathan and Ben Baldwin on Twitter and other people about the, the pros and cons of, of going heavier pass in that offense. And, um, gosh, 
you could really watch that game and make a case in either direction. Like, you know, I think if the Seahawks had been more conservative, they almost certainly wouldn't have had three turnovers. Um, but I don't know that that defense would have held down that offense any more than they did. So um, without the defense creating a turnover or really stopping the run effectively, you know, being conservative on offense wouldn't have made a difference. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. How about how about you guys? Uh, yeah, go ahead. We'll take it away. No, yeah, that game went exactly how I thought it was going to go at the first half. I thought it was going to be a baseball score. That was my prediction going in. And then second half started, and it just exploded. And uh, the same with Brian. It's like I couldn't believe some of the throws Blake Bortles was making, and part of that goes back to their inability to get to him. I thought that if they would have got to him, he would have been the Blake Bortles we all know. But unfortunately, he just wasn't. He was better. And uh, that was – that was most surprising for sure. And there was a couple throws down the stretch that were just like unbelievable. You know, I can't remember. There was like one over Maxwell on a big third down. I think it was their second to last possession. That was just perfect. It was just like, you're sitting there going, wow, how often you need to beat by Blake Bortles. I guess today's the day. So very unfortunate. Yeah. That was that teardrop he threw is one of the ones that really stood out to me where he just dropped it in the bucket. Like, and that was not a that was not a simple throw. It wasn't a simple situation. It was like he, yeah, he, I don't know. He 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 just made some great throws, and it drove me crazy. Yeah, and the whole the whole game just went. I know, obviously, we we on this show last week we talked so much about Jalen Ramsey and AJ Bouye, the corners. Those guys were unbelievable. But to me, I, ever since the schedule came out, when I saw that game, the whole thought for me was like, how do these guys block Calais Campbell? Clayus Campbell, Clayus Campbell is going to dominate them. The offensive line actually held up pretty okay. And, like, I, the whole year I've been looking at that game thing, like, there's no way we're going to be able to block these guys. And it was the corners and it was the secondary and maybe the, the speed and aggressiveness that the linebackers played with. That's what really gave Seattle trouble. Because for the most part, Seattle held up well in pass protection. I know Posick struggled a bit with Malik Jackson all night. But Dwayne Brown and Fetty had a lot of other issues. But. Clayce Campbell wasn't a real huge impact on the game, which surprised the hell out of me. And just Jacksonville looked really good to me, just how aggressive they played and how feisty they were. But, yeah, I think you're right. Blake Bortles was always kind of the guy who was an afterthought to me in this game. And for the most part, Blake Bortles outplayed Russell Wilson in this game. And Russell had those two great throws and scramble plays down the stretch that really brought them back in. But – yeah, I didn't see Bortles outplaying Russell Wilson, especially with some of their receivers out. And Jacksonville's offensive line owns Seattle's defensive line. And I know we were debating last week about Sheldon Richardson and Bray Clark and who to extend and Michael Bennett. And those guys no-showed, right? And really, the big story to me, and I think this is what leads into the next game, is you're starting to really see uh, there was two big injuries in this game. And by the end of the game, you just saw a depleted team on defense. They were held up pretty well, but third and 11, last series of the game, Seattle's got one more chance to hold up the ball, and you got two backup linebackers in. DJ Alexander doesn't fill his gap. Leonard Fournette runs to end the game, essentially, which leads to that mess at the end. But I saw some of Brian's tweets today, and I, I, I just don't have the same enthusiasm right now about anything around the team right now because – Without Wagner and Wright, along with the Chancellor injury, the Sherman injury, the Averill injury, 
I just don't know if these guys have the bodies to hang on. And you really saw that on that Fournette run where their linebackers just didn't know their responsibilities and Fournette runs for an easy first down. And I'm, I'm having trouble working up enthusiasm right now with both those guys in doubt, right? Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, folks need to remember like last year when Earl went out, how big of a, you know, that, that was to the defense and, um, you know, you've got Earl now, but you're, you're, it was surprising to me when I went and did the numbers today for the tail of the tape. And I was looking at just kind of over the last four weeks, how these teams have been playing. And I felt like the Seahawks secondaries played pretty well, actually. And the defense had played pretty well overall, but to see that they're 24th in the NFL over the last four weeks in passer rating allowed, they're allowing a 95 passer rating to opposing QBs in that time. Then I start looking back at it, and Bortles owned them. Wentz put up, you know, a ton of yards. Uh, you know, obviously Matt Ryan um, didn't put up a lot of yards, but had a pretty efficient game. Um, and then uh, who was the other person in between? Oh, oh, C.J. Beathard, right? Yeah. Even Beathard, first half of that game was yeah uh, doing all right. So anyway, you know, you went from the first. Uh, I think it was the first 10 games, no, first uh, nine games, whatever it was of the season, where the Seahawks had were fifth in the NFL or something like that, 76 passer rating against, to now, you know, 24th and 95 against. Um, some of that's competition. A lot of that's injury. And now, you know, you're down the guy who most people are arguing should be the defensive player of the year. Um, and his running mate and KJ Wright, and both those guys are on the field for every down. Um, and they're just as big in pass defense as they are in run defense. So I think, you know, you, we, we can be homers and, and, and hope for everything all the time, but you got to be realistic when you're down five pro bowlers, there's going to be a pretty huge drop off. Um, and, and you do not replace a defensive player of the year. It just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, Let's hope those guys suit up, but you know it, it sounds like a stretch. No pun intended. And you yeah, saw the impact. Go ahead. Well, you saw the impact with Wagner. There was a stretch in the game when he left. They scored. Jacksonville scored touchdowns on three straight plays right after Wagner left the game. And yeah, you saw what, what happened with Earl last year. This year, Bobby's probably been their best player from start to finish. And the, the, just the dramatic drop off. They. They had a couple of years ago when Wagner was out, I think it was 2014. And the numbers when he was playing, when he wasn't playing, were striking. I remember Tony Dungy voted for him for MVP. So seeing him out along with all these guys, I don't know if they can hang on with, with those numbers. I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. When you lost Cliff Averill, he said, okay, well, that doesn't kill you. When you lost, you know, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, he said, okay, that doesn't kill you. You could probably overcome that adversity. And then, you know, you lose <laughs> all these other guys. I remember at one time at, in that Jacksonville game, I, I freeze-framed uh, with a buddy of mine that I was watching with, and we just happened to notice it looked like a preseason squad out there. All on the frame, there's like seven guys in the frame, and you're like, none of these guys were the starters going into the year. And it's at, at some point, it becomes too much to overcome, and I'm right there with you guys. Well, but let's flip it around for a second, because we can just mope about this, as I'm sure a lot of fans are, and nobody wants to listen to that. So yeah. like, wh what 
what would it take? Uh, let's assume Wagner and Wright are out. Let's just, I think that's probably the most realistic expectation. We maybe we, you know, even if Wright gets in, whatever, but let's just assume they're both out. What's the script that wins this game for the Seahawks? How would they do that? What's, what does that scenario look like? What do you think, Will? What would have to happen? I think uh, it kind of goes back to what it's been for, you know, a lot of this year, it's going to come down to Russell Wilson, I believe, and how well we protect up front. And if we can establish a run game, if we can go back to what we kind of always have been and have a balanced offense, I see us winning. And not to mention, of course, it being a home game, I would feel much better, you know, the fact that we're playing here. But uh, yeah, it just comes down to that offense. I want to see him get back to that run game. You know, we uh, saw that a little bit in the Jacksonville game. There were like three back-to-back-to-back really awesome runs. And it's like, where the hell is this coming from? Where, you know, keep this going. And they kind of seem to abandon that later on. So if you can kind of, if you can find that again and get that going again, who knows? How about you, Jeff? They, they just got to stop making the amount of mistakes they make. That's number one. Number two, in this game specifically, the defensive line has to take over. With all the injuries on defense right now, I know guys like Bennett and Clark have played way better at home when they can kind of time the snap count, get off the line quicker, use the crowd to their advantage. Uh, th- these guys, Sheldon Richardson, these guys need to take over because the only way if Jared Goff has time with – they have a pretty good offensive line with the Rams now, they're going to be able to pick these guys apart with all the holes on defense, especially in coverage and with Todd Gurley. Last time they played the Rams, the D-line had a really good game. They, they played a big role in forcing turnovers, as Jones had some. Jaron Reed was in their face. Sheldon Richardson had an interception. I think given the back seven that you have like five backups playing, maybe six, the only way I can see them winning outside of like a crazy Russell Wilson game is those, D, those four D-linemen because most of those guys are starting quality players when the rest of the unit just doesn't have any. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I see – you know, an offense where, I mean, it was got some good news today that Mike Davis is practicing, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was pretty impressed. I've been impressed with him since he's been in the lineup. Uh, Seahawks have been over 100 yards rushing in all three games that, that he's played. Um, and I see, I, I saw some really great feet from him. Like there was plays where he was running to the right and the, it was all bottled up and most backs and like, especially Eddie Lacey end up just like falling over in those situations. Um, you know, there's a lot of hands down by your feet, but he managed to like keep, keep off, um, keep his feet out of their hands and break it back um, for some reasonable gains. So I think that the, the running game is looking better. I, and it wasn't just the running back. I thought we saw some, blocks from Justin Britt and from Dwayne Brown in the run game that were really impressive. Like the offensive line was actually making room for the running backs. Um, it wasn't all the backs, you know, creativity and, and you know, pers- perseverance. So I think there's some hope in the running game and, and the Rams, honestly, they've struggled to defend the run all year. Um, it's one of those things where I don't get it. I don't get why such dominant defensive lines can have such challenges defending the run, but the Rams, they've had trouble defending the run almost every year. So um, uh, I don't know. I think, I think that they can get the running game going. I think that Russell Wilson, 
can have one of those games. They're they're you know, missing Kayvon Webster, who's their other corner. He's out for the years. First time he's been out. I'm mean, kind of watching because Tremaine Johnson, they had said, was in concussion protocol, but now they're saying he had a stinger. Curious. They didn't practice today. I'm just going to be curious to watch that. They're missing both their corners. Um, you know, the Seahawks offensive line with the running game, with Russell Wilson, the way he's playing, and the receivers. You know, I could see the Seahawks putting up 35 points on that team. Um, it could happen. Um <laughs> my big question is can we keep the the rams from scoring 40 and one of our big takeaways last week was after the philly game was just how clean they played from start to finish they were so clean and we we knew the jacksonville game was going to be tough we most of us probably presumed it'd either be a loss or one of those close they just weren't clean in this game there were so many little mistakes like there was the first drive where they're driving down the field and nick manette's wide open for a play that puts your in field goal range and they take too long to get the ball to him and then that great drive you mentioned with mike davis where he blows them down with three straight great runs like they look like the seattle bull they should get in field goal range to tie the game they missed the kick and there's just so many little things baldwin not getting that first down jimmy graham dropping the ball on the last drive um Russell took some shots that down the field that weren't the best matchups where you had Baldwin on Ramsey or Jimmy Graham doesn't finish his route in one of those plays where he doesn't even make an effort on the ball. There's just so many little things in that game. Yeah, also there's that Paul Richardson penalty that should have counted too, but if they're going to – with this roster right now and as good as Russell can take over a game, they need to play cleaner. And when they play clean, you saw with Philly, they controlled it from start to finish. And for this team right now, with the, the deficiencies they have, they need to be cleaner. Like, there was a big play early in the game that should have been a scoring play. Um, they throw, like, a 30-yard screen pass to Mike Davis. He makes a great individual effort. Luke Jokal has no business being downfield there. Just basic football awareness. It comes back. Drive ends. There's, there's just so many little things like that. Yeah, that's the thing. That was an amazing design. Put, would have put them right at the 40-yard line, I believe. And they just kept doing things like that over and over that they're not going to be good quality teams with their deficiencies right now. And that was the big jump. For me, that was a big jumping point from the, from the Philly game to the Jacksonville game. Yeah, well, In the sense that you had all those errors, and let me just play a glass half full perspective here. You, the fact yeah. that you had all those small errors that just added up to, you know, you eventually lost the game. The fact that it was even close and we did have that comeback and we, we did take it all the way to the end with them after all of that that you just mentioned, do you feel good going forward? Because you could definitely spin it and say, well, you know, you know, you had a garbage fire on that last possession. You had the, the Jimmy Graham drop. You had the you had the missed call. You had the you know the Doug Baldwin momentary lapse of judgment, <laughs> stepping out of bounds, and yet you were still there at the end to win, and you didn't get it. So, I don't know. I think that's true. I mean, I think you also had uh, you know I don't know if you mentioned already, but Wilson missing a wide open Paul Richardson in the end zone and throwing to a double covered Tyler Lockett. Um, yeah, you know, there were I, I I did take some some encouragement from the fact that I don't care how it happened that the offense was able to score twenty four points and put up four hundred yards against that defense. You guys heard how much respect I have for that defense. I think that defense is a, if not an all time defense yet, because it hasn't proven it in the playoffs, but 
statistically it's it's in there it's in that category and you can go position by position in that group and they're all like they're all really good um so yeah i, I thought the fact they put up 141 legitimate rushing yards people are like oh but russell got some of that they, a lot of those were designed runs they were designed rollouts for russ and russ to to do that and that's part of the offense like that is how they've been one of the number one rushing offenses is Russell Wilson gets 20% of the rushing yards. That's how it's always been. So um, I thought Daryl Bevel, for the most part, called a good game, honestly. Like, I've been a critic. I liked his game plan in that game. I, I kind of want to criticize the going deep all the time. At the same time, like, I can appreciate the logic there of, like, hey, we are not going to go on 10-play drives against this defense. We're going to need to go chunk plays. What's our greatest strength in the passing game? Russell throwing deep and our receivers making plays on the ball. I thought Baldwin, um, you know, had a less than ideal effort on the first one. He kind of fell down and in a normal situation, I think he at least knocks the ball away or at least, you know, or maybe even gets a, a penalty if he, if he goes up with Ramsey instead of falling down. Jimmy did no help and gave, you know, Russell no help. And, and you never hear Pete criticize a player, but, he came right out and said, we need Jimmy to make that play, um, you know, in his press conference, which was interesting to hear. And then the third one that Russell threw up for grabs. I mean, yeah, not great, but, but uh, you know, I, I've criticized Bevel. I've criticized Russell on plenty of occasions. I thought they both had okay days in general. Like um, I don't think they were the reason the team lost. No, I don't think so either. And it's, I was kind of talking about during the game, the part of what made that game so frustrating is that we've already seen it, you know, how many times in the last five years of the everything that could go wrong does go wrong in the first half. Then all of a sudden it becomes very easy. You have this explosive, miraculous comeback, and then you come up just short. And it's like, you know, just add it up to another one of those games. And that's, <laughs> you know, when we – when, yeah. You know, when Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett, those huge explosive receptions for touchdowns, you're sitting there going, well, what the hell? You know, where was this? You know, why couldn't we figure this out? Because we've seen this before. So when there's it was a two, two minutes and 30 seconds left and they get the ball at the 40, what are you guys thinking? Who had oh. the, you're talking about the Seahawks had the ball? Seahawks get the ball. They're down six just before the last drive. I think they started the 40-yard line. Like, what do you, What's going on in your head at that point? What was going on in my head is I was actually I was really light light minded at that point. Like I was not stressed. I I'd already kind of just been uh, watching what happened. I called my son back down because he'd already given up on the game, and and uh, he's like, I said, did you see the last touchdown? He's like, oh, you mean the the sixty yarder to Richardson? I'm like, no, the seventy yarder to Lockett. He's like, what? So you know, and then. Byron Maxwell, I thought that was going to be the play where Bortles finally gave it to us. It was right there. I was like, I I'd said to him, I was like, this is the time. Bortles is going to give it to us. He's dying to give it to us. And it was right there for Maxie to make the play, and he just couldn't pull it in. Um, and then they get the ball back, and I just looked at Isaac. I said, there are a lot of puckered butts in that stadium right now. <laughs> like, this is a franchise that loses all the time, and they finally – like, they've been – they talked about it on the radio. I was listening to Jacksonville sports radio all week. I was just enjoying it. And uh, they were talking, this is the game of the decade for them. They had a you know, huge game. They were all excited. They'd finally like shown out and like clearly won. 
And now it was like, oh my God, they're going to lose. The Seahawks are going to do it to us. And uh, so I was just enjoying that part. And I don't think I really, if you had to pin me down, I would have thought at that point that they were not going to win the game. Um, that the Seahawks were not going to win the game. Um, but, but I was hoping, uh, I was hoping to see them at least take the lead. See, whenever we figure it out, I just assume it's going to be the Seahawks that we've, that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Even when we tied the game at 10, I thought, all right, this is where we kind of take over and we, you know, we just start winning the game because this is what we're used to. And then I definitely thought we were, when we got the ball in a lot of seconds, the last session, I guess I was just say, I thought for sure we're going to win. I had no doubt in my mind. And then, like I said, total garbage fire. <laughs> and what can you do? What did you think, Jeff? Um, I was at the point where, like, once they went down, what was it 24 to 10 or 27, 27 to, 10? to 10? Yeah, I declared the game over. I was just at that point. I was watching with a couple of fans who are just casual fans. They're not really Seahawks fans. And I declared the game over. Like, I didn't think there was a chance they'd be able to score 17 points against that defense. And as they're coming back, all of a sudden, everyone's kind of picking on me because they're like, oh, look who said the game was over. And once they get the ball back, that's when I first finally started thinking, okay, maybe they're actually going to win this game. And right when I start to think that, they have the garbage fire drive. They go to bounds. Jimmy Graham. Jim, why? Anytime Jimmy Graham plays a defense like this, he folds, right? It's just like the Seattle game back when he was on New Orleans. And Seattle, you see again his head. Like, Graham all game. He had that terrible penalty where he pushed the ball out of bounds. He had the drop. His head just wasn't in it. Man, it's just when I thought these guys were about to win, they have that. So I, I did not have a read on this game, clearly. Just when I thought they were had done it and no chance, they brought it back. And it was just frustrating because I really thought Russell was just in that mode where he found the weakness in their defense, number 22 on their, their slot corner. I think both and the safeties in coverage. That was kind of the weakness that Russell found. And Paul Richardson, if you watch that play where that penalty should have been called, you watch his release off the line. It was incredible. He totally made that guy fall over. And it seemed like Russell had figured something out with these guys. But just the mistakes added up there, and that was a disastrous drive. does in that situation? What? Pardon? You know what a vet QB does in that situation? They, uh, they throw the ball to the guy that's getting interfered with. Yeah, like they they make the the ref make that call, and it sounded like Russ actually saw what was happening and chose to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, it's kind of all or nothing, I guess, if you throw it to that guy because you know he's not going to catch it. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It, it, it I really did not expect them to win that game. Honestly, like yeah. I, I was pretty clear on that going in. I thought there's more ways that the Jaguars could win that game than the Seahawks could. And, um, I, you know, I think that defense is really good. It went a little differently than I expected, but all this talk that like I, all the reaction of like, Oh my God, we lost to Jacksonville. I'm like, this is not that Jacksonville. Like they're going to get, they're very, I think they very likely are going to be the number two seed in the, in the AFC. And, um, I don't believe that they'll beat a team like the Patriots, but I wouldn't be shocked if they find a way to um, take down some big teams. I mean, that defense is legit. And I don't know if you saw it. I think uh, Sam posted it online, but like based on the adjustment for how good that defense is, Russell was like the sixth rated, you know, quarterback 
last week, even with three interceptions, just when you look at the adjustment for how tough it is to play that defense. I mean, I no other, Ramsey might be the best player in the league this year on defense. Yeah, I mean, no, no other, no other quarterback has more than two touchdowns against that team this year in a game. I mean, Russell threw three. Um, again, like th- there's a bunch of stuff that that they were able to do in that game that most other teams have not been able to do against that that defense. It was yeah, interesting contrast. Just, yeah, I, 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 my last thought take on this, and that will be my last like you know negative thing <laughs> about this game, and <laughs> I can just put this one to sleep. <laughs> It just sucks because, and I agree with you, Brian. I didn't. I thought this one was going to be the hardest down the stretch, um, just based on that defense. The fact that it was a road game, you know, all the things surrounding it. Uh, this one sucked to me because there was a lot of hype uh, going into it. It was a lot like the Redskins game in the sense that you just beat the Texans. You got Dwayne Brown. Um, you thought, okay, well, you know, we're going to ride the wave, and this is where we flip the switch. Same type of deal. You just beat. You just beat Philadelphia. Russell Wilson's in the. MVP race, you're feeling good, and then you go out and you play like that. So it's just like I think that's a big reason that that one was such a letdown, at least in my opinion. Okay, so let's let's shift the conversation a little bit from the Jacksonville game. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, before you do that, I've got to yeah. I've got to say one more thing because sure. I've got to I've got to gloat a little bit that I think we did some some predictions a while back. We were going through the schedule. I seem to recall Evan saying that we were going to lose in San Francisco. <laughs> I seem to recall that I said we were going to win against Philadelphia and that we were going to lose against Jacksonville. And all everyone else thought I was crazy. Does that sound familiar, Jeff? Yeah, that's why you're, that's why you're the owner of the site. We're still running. I like to keep track of these things. You know, I encourage you to do the same. Uh, you know, I remember you weren't you weren't buying Philly at all. Uh uh-uh. uh But I, I can't say that I can't say that I turned out to be right on that. I mean, I think Philadelphia is probably the best team in the NFL overall. Um, you know, they lost. That was the when. question. The question was whether Philly was going to win in Seattle. Yeah, I I didn't think they. Were, I never thought they were going to win in Seattle. But yeah, Jacksonville, they are they're a good team, man. Like Bortles yeah. was always that one thing holding them back, and if Bortles plays like that, I think they can beat anyone. He looked, he looked like a, he looked like a legit quarterback. He really did. Um, I don't know any other way to say it. But yes, sorry, I interrupted. Hey, to so you can move on now. Let's shift the conversation a little bit. You mentioned Philly. Carson Wentz goes down for the season in maybe one of the better games of the year between the Rams and the Eagles. The Eagles somehow still pull off the win with Nick Foles as the backup. And now as screwed up and as much as we want to rag on that Jacksonville game, Seattle still controls their destiny in the division. If they win out, they win the division, they make the playoffs. I know that might not be – me and Will were going through the schedule before, and the wild card seems like a very difficult path given that Atlanta's back, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. But even going 10-6, and you've got to win – you've got to get a lot of help from other teams. I don't think they can win tiebreakers with Atlanta and Green Bay considering they lost at both. So at one point they have their playoff hopes. Who knows right now about the even a wild card spot? But if they win out, they win the division. They're hosting a home playoff game. Carson Wentz is out for the year. Minnesota has Case Keenum. They're still alive. 
what what's a reasonable expectation and do you think that they can still win this division given all the injuries given all the ups and downs and the inconsistency all year and outside of russell being this mvp candidate what's what's going to make them win this division well let, let me jump in for one second there because he, here's here's my here's my raw take like russell wilson mvp this is the time to prove it. Like I know everyone, you know, is on the bandwagon about him playing and being MVP, but this is the time where literally he's got to take the team on his shoulders. It's not like uh, the defense is aging or not quite as good. Defense might be like eviscerated. Like it may be like completely empty um, inside and, and he's, He's going to have to just lift the team up the way someone like a Tom Brady can do at times. Um, this is, I mean, if he pulls, if he wins this game, like if he like wills the team to a win in this game, definitely would have my MVP vote. Um, and, and if they can get through this game, not like we don't know for sure, but I don't think Wagner's injury is, you know, season ending. Um, you know, you'd hope that he'd be back the following week. Similarly with KJ Wright, and if they get back Wright and they get back Wagner, this was a defense that was holding Jackson. It was ten to ten, guys. I mean, like they were in this game, and then it just all fell apart, right? So um, that defense had been playing well. It was a top ten defense when those two guys were in. The secondary's been okay. Like it's not, it's not great, but it's not terrible. So. I think if they can find a way to get through this game, which is a huge tall order, but it's possible, then yeah, they can run, they can run the table. Um, and then, and then you got to look at the playoffs and any, if they win, they, if they win out, which they have to do pretty much to make the playoffs, they're going to host a home. They're going to host a playoff game. You know, I, I think they can, any team they play in the playoffs, I think they can beat here. And then, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a lot of hope beyond that, but but I don't think that there's a team I'd say, oh no, there's no team left in the playoffs where I'd say you couldn't beat them. If they had to play Carson Wentz and the Eagles in Philly for the NFC Championship, I would say they couldn't do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Carolina looks pretty strong right now. Um, the, uh, the Saints kind of scared me a little bit, but outside of those two, I mean, look, you got the top two seeds right now with Case Keenum and Nick Foles. <laughs> So how much are you really scared by everybody else? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if there's anyone really in the NFC right now that just like, you know, scares you entirely. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFC right now. And top to bottom, the way that Todd Gurley's been playing and the way that Sean McVay's gotten Jared Goff to play and Wade Phillips can I, – I know Brian tweeted out some of the numbers are down, and that's definitely true, but, but those pass rushers and Aaron Donald is a disruptor. I think that's the team that scares me the most. So if you can go and win this game, there's a shot that Seattle can make a run. I, I, I don't know if I'd buy it right now. I think that Jacksonville game was kind of a microcosm of their whole season where it started terribly. Russell Wilson had a terrible start. He got going in the second half. But all the mistakes and all the penalties and mental errors just cost them. So there was ups and downs and ups and downs. And, yes, Seattle can beat Philly and they can beat Houston and, that state game felt a lot like the Atlanta game. So I don't know. It's just they got to win out to make the playoffs, right? That's I think that's the only scenario unless you get great help from everyone else. But now with Rodgers back, I don't know. That's another team in the mix that they could easily win out. 
me and Will were looking at the Rams schedule. They have two pretty light games after Seattle. They play Tennessee, who's – they're in the playoffs right now, but Marcus Mariota seems banged up. The team's kind of on a downward spiral. They play the, the Niners, who have looked a lot better with Jimmy Garoppolo. He looks like the real deal. But that's not a, that's not a great schedule for hoping that the Rams struggle. And unless the NFC South beats each other up. I think their best chance of making it. I think their only chance of making any sort of run is they got to win out. And this game is huge. I know Seattle and Pete Carroll say like they don't want to make any game bigger than any other game. I know that's their mentality. Pete even mentioned it today in his press conference. Someone tried to take him on. But let's be honest, this, this game is the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think – I think that the Rams, you know, the thing that I'm reacting to most is you saying the Rams are the best team in the NFC. And I I, I absolutely, like, can make that case. I, I felt that way a little bit for, for maybe half the season. But the case against the Rams being the best team in the NFC is they have yet to beat a good defense. They just haven't. Um, you know, when the Seahawks were at close to full strength, they had five turnovers and scored ten points. You know, when they went to Minnesota, they scored seven points. When they went to Jacksonville, um, I think they only scored 17. Well, I think they scored 20 or 13. I can't remember. They didn't score all the points. I know there's at least a a special teams touchdown. There might have been a defensive score as well. Um, So, you know, they have other aspects in that their their special teams is the best in the league and uh i'm envious of that special teams unit um every position i will i'm gonna be the guy that everyone hates who just bangs the drum that we need a new punter next year um everybody wants a new kicker but we fucking need a new punter sorry i shouldn't be swearing because i know not everyone likes that but john ryan i love his service he's been a great player for this team he is 27th in the league in net average and it's not because of the coverage units the guy like he's just we need young we need young we need cheap like ugh. watching johnny hecker boom literally 70 yard punts and flip the field um it's such a huge advantage um and, and then you know they got a great defense so so i i see what the rams bring to the table but I don't believe in them being able to go into a Minnesota and win a game. Um, And I don't think I really believe them going into Philadelphia or New Orleans and winning a game either. Yeah. It's just like a process of elimination. Like a couple weeks ago, these guys looked like powerhouses. Now Wentz is gone. Case Keenum kind of had a Case Keenum game for the first time all year. New Orleans lost a game that was kind of a weird game to Atlanta. Atlanta Atlanta's actually been looking pretty good. Carolina's been looking better, but they're an up-and-down team. So, as many contenders as there are, this thing's wide open. You know, would you guys would you guys rather lose to Carolina in the playoffs at home or not make the playoffs at all? Oh, man. <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> I would rather not go. I I have like my my hatred for Cam Newton goes back to when I was at Oregon. So I, I I'd rather I'd I'd rather not go entirely than watch him parade around Century Lake Field after beating us. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can beat that answer. I think I'd still rather make the playoffs just because I assume they'd have to win the division and being the Rams in this year where, like, everything's gone right for them and they still lose the division, that would be pretty rewarding to me since the Rams have just been Seattle's, like, nemesis for all these years and then the year they're actually good, they can't beat a depleted Seattle team. That would kind of bring me joy. But, yeah, man, losing to Cam in our own stadium, that would be – that would be painful. Right, when was the last time they lost a home playoff game? Was it, like, 2004? That's a good question. I think there was that game where Bobby Ingram was in the end zone. and I think it was a Seattle Rams game. I think that was the last time they lost a home playoff game. I think you're right. Yep, I was at that game. I don't know, bro. <laughs> How do you that that? Bobby Ingram was going to be caught. Yeah. What about you? Are you, you, you shooting not making it? or? Um, My... My head says I'd rather make the playoffs. My heart says I'd rather not lose to Cam Newton at home. Like I, I think that would be that'd be about as bad of a way as I could imagine ending a season. So, um, and, and honestly, if I put if I look at it right now, if nothing changed, I think that uh, I don't know that I'd pick the Seahawks to beat the Panthers in, in a home playoff game right now. Um, Maybe I'll feel different after a few weeks, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, so, I mean, the most optimistic story I could kind of come up with for the Seahawks is that they start really gaining more and more momentum with their offensive line, which is clearly coming together. It's the, it is ironically the the part of the the team that is most on the ascent, and uh, the run game is the part of the team that's benefiting from that. And Russell Wilson starting to get used to having some time to throw. I mean, all those deep passes he made, he had time to make them. He was in, he was back there, and he had clear pocket to step into throws. So um, you can imagine the offense maybe really just taking a big step forward, and maybe they become a thirty point a game offense over the, the you know the last three games of the season, and, and really take off. Um, and that Bobby and KJ come back healthy. Like if, if all those things happen, then yeah, Seattle can can you know make a little noise in the playoffs. I don't I I don't see a situation where they're a Super Bowl team. I just don't see it. Do you guys know Chris Carson will be coming back? Because I've heard that he's like kind of right there, but I haven't heard anything for certain. It sounds a lot like the CJ Procise thing from last year, where every week it sounds like he's about to come back, but never seems to come close to actually playing. I think this is just Pete's optimistic nature. And he keeps saying, yeah, he's going to practice next week. There's three games left. When is there time to get this guy going? I'm with Brian. I think Mike Davis has been pretty good. I'd rather just ride him out for now and get Carson ready for next year. I think they're talking about Chris Carson possibly practicing next week. I don't think they're talking about regular season. I think they're talking about maybe he could come back for the playoffs um, should they make it. Um my best guess is they're going to shut him down. I mean, like, you know, the the risk of bringing him back and whether that really that it'd be worth worth it. I don't know. I, I don't see it. Um, I think they're going to shut Sean Shed down as well. You know, they'll bring him back next year and and have him healthy and and not risk it this year. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think we, we got what we got. Um, I kind of hope that Thomas Rawls gets a few carries. You think he's becoming an issue? Like he, when was last, he had one carry in the Philly game, and he looked okay. 
That was a pretty fun carry. Like popped up. I know. Imagine he's not taking this well, where he's not he's not even getting snaps anymore. And and for good reason. He's lost yeah. he's lost the confidence and and for good reason. But but I liked what I saw in that in that carry. And we really haven't seen Thomas Rawls run behind this offensive line. Um so you know, I'd like to see him get like a series, just one series, um, and, and see what, what he looks like. I have a feeling that I still believe in the guy. I don't know. I like for all the the crap that we've seen from this year, I still believe that that guy can be a, a meaningful runner for this team. Okay, how about this? We have a big game on Sunday. What's one or two things you really want to see in this game from a Seattle standpoint, ignoring the Rams? You go first, uh, Rain City. I want to see them get to Jared Goff, and I want to see Jared Goff go back to what we're all used to seeing. That's what I want to see. I need, I need more pressure in this game than there was last game, which was pretty much non-existent. I, I need pressure by that front seven. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's an awesome answer. Uh, amen. Like. There'd be nothing better than to see Jared Goff trying to figure out which way the sun's rising. Um, uh, what I would say, other than that, uh, which is a great one, um, I'd love to see the Seahawks hang 40. I mean, I, I'd love to see the Seahawks offense just do what they've never done against this the St. Louis, now Los Angeles defense, and um, – just move up and down the field, you know, like one of the things that people may not realize about this Rams defense there, I think 25th in the league and giving up explosive passes and like 24th or 26th in explosive runs. Um, so they give up a lot of explosive plays and the Seahawks, I think are in good position to, to take advantage of that. So I'd love to just see some big plays. I'd love to see the Seahawks offense really win a game you know, where the defense just needed them to similar to the Texans game, but like, you know, I'd love to see another, you know, game where we could say, all right, yeah, maybe this offense is good enough to, to offset the defensive losses. Yeah. Well, you nailed the offensive answer. I would have given. Will gave the defensive answer. I would have given. So I'll go with special teams. Blair Walsh needs to make an important kick. (laughs) <laughs> my god he has been terrible uh, and they can't cut him they're out of cap room they don't they, i don't think they have the room to eat his cost and take on another kicker so they don't i think pete just has to keep defending him blindly to keep his confidence going because they can't do anything so it's too bad they had to waste four million dollars on a lacy but that's an argument for a different day but walsh we gotta keep brian you out all year just do your damn job please your leg is fine. Your 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 percentage is almost worse than last year when Minnesota cut you. Just please hit an important kick in a big game. We need that you you were great in that last Rams game, and we're going to need it again because field goals are going to be important, especially in the Seattle Stadium and that weather. You got to come up big, or else you're never getting another job in the NFL. Simple as that. Imagine if we're here next week talking about beating the Rams on a Blair Walsh like last second make. <laughs> Uh my gosh. That's hard to believe. I won't, I won't be able to watch it. Yeah. I'll be killed yeah. over with like a bag over my head. I don't think I could watch it. Yeah. All right, fellas. Uh, I think yeah, I think we gotta we gotta wrap this up tonight. I think we covered 
the Seahawks on a number of different angles here. The Jaguars game, previewing the Rams game. This is the biggest game of the season, no matter how you look at it. We might change our story next week if they keep winning it. But we're going to be back next week again with a more, probably the bigger crew. We'll have more of the boys out. Nathan was sick tonight. Evan had some uh, family issues. Nothing too serious. But he'll be, he'll, he'll be fine. But I know, I know Brian had to run a little bit early tonight, so we're going to wrap on that. If you guys have any final thoughts about the, the upcoming game and the team overall, you, this is the time to jump in. But we want to thank yeah, everyone who's been here. Uh, want to remind everybody, uh, subscribe if you haven't already. The channel uh, should be down there, and um, that'll help get you notifications for when we got shows coming on. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It's always great to have you on the chat and, and watch people talking and, and uh, stay, sticking with us. You know, these are the lean times, right, folks? You know, these are the times. Uh, I'm not talking about overall. Like lean times, 90s is 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 what lean times really feel like. But, you know, this is when you find out where the real fans are. Uh, they're still sticking with it. They're still uh, thick and thin. Uh, so I always enjoy these kind of times. You see who the next player is that's going to step up. Who's going to be the next? You know. DJ Hackett or who's going to be the next uh, Leonard Weaver, you know, like there's always some diamond in the rough who's ready to step forward. So um, thanks for tuning in. Please, if you haven't already, sign up also at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, great way to get some insider information, um, be part of the Hawkblog community, and all the proceeds go to Ben's fund. So uh, we're I think we're closing in on $10,000 raised for the year that we'll be uh, donating. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get closer to 20 by the time, uh, you know, April rolls around, which is when uh, we do the donation. So um, please join and uh, thanks for tuning in this week. And thanks. Uh, it was fun talking to you guys. And hopefully they run the table from here. As Evan would <laughs> no doubtedly say. <laughs> Buy some t-shirts. <laughs> Take care, guys. Go Hawks. Want more great Seahawks talk? Of course you do. Check out the Pedestrian Podcast. It's the official podcast of the UK Seahawkers. Hosted by Stuart Court, Adam Nathan, and Ross Bell. It's fun. It's British. You get accents. You get Seahawks. You get football. It's definitely worth it. They're at pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com, or you can find them on iTunes. Check them out.